Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Award podcast where we look at the various films nominated for MTV Movie Awards in their various categories and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost kissing expert. <laughs> ah, good, you remembered. Because today, <laughs> we're switching things up a bit. See, uh, as you know, we've been covering all the Best Villain nominees, but... Before we were doing that, we were covering Best Sandwich. And before that was Best Kiss. Um, and, you know, in the time that since our initial Best Kiss episodes, there has been another MTV Movie Awards with new nominees. And it felt like, as we come off of our hiatus, a good time to cover Best Kiss. Especially because there were overlap between a couple of the Best Kiss nominees and some of the best villain nominees for 2022, so I wanted to create a bit of distance before you have to hear us talk about Spider-Man No Way Home and the Batman, like, twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and especially... Man, Spider-Man and Batman show up a lot on both these lists, just, like, as, like, a IP. Um, Definitely, like, a couple, like, Spider-Mans and a lot of, like, old Batmans. And a lot of the mid middle Batmans, too. Glad to see he's, he's showing up again still. Yeah, um, they are very popular franchises. And even, be- like, yeah, even before the MTV Movie Awards have kind of, like, pivoted to being very, like, populist and blockbuster in what they kind of choose to nominate who were still getting like Batman returns and stuff. Cause you know, it's, it's MTV. It's kind of their thing. But, uh, I think one of the interesting things, at least for, for me is as much as I look at the law, like the best kiss and best villain nominees for this year and go, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. It's yeah. It wound up being a bit, unexpected in a couple ways mainly for who actually won this year in both best kiss and best villain category um yeah (laughs) yeah this was definitely uh it was definitely a weird year to come back back to watching emily in paris i saw my first episode of euphoria um i haven't quite taken a look at the villain one uh recently but i'm excited for that one too yeah, the, the the villain one's gonna be fun. And, <laughs> um, yes, this is a thing for Emily in Paris. I'll, I'll say this. I liked my second episode of Emily in Paris better than the first episode of Emily in Paris we've had to watch for this podcast. Yeah, I, I feel similarly. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe it helps that it wasn't the end of a season. Maybe it helped that it was the second season and the characters seemed a bit... A little, more acclimated to the job but um yeah so the 2022 mtv movie and tv awards were held on june 5th um they it was the 30th edition of them so this is the big kind of 30th anniversary yeah they were hosted by vanessa hudgens um well technically vanessa hudgens and tishia adams because the first half of the ceremony is, of course, the MTV Movie and TV Awards we all know and love. And then in recent years, or 
Last year, they turned it into a two-night affair, where the second night was the MTV Movie and TV Awards Unscripted for reality television. And this year, they were going to do that again, and then they're like, no, wait, let's just have it all in one night. Because, so, I mean, it's not like MTV airs much content anymore anyway, so they can give an extra long time to show the reality TV ones, but... Yeah, um, it was kind of a year trying to think what happened. Jack Black won Comedic Genius Award. Jennifer Lopez yeah. won the MTV Generation Award. Um, Is there a reason that there's like 15,000 nominations for Best Musical Moment? <laughs> I am not just... sure. I know it's going to... <laughs> I know it's gonna make it very hard when eventually, because especially because like in thinking about what next was this podcast, I'm like, yeah, I think it'd be good to do like best musical moment, best song as a joint season, and then this happened, and I'm like, oh, that is so many. To, um, to be fair, at least I I've seen a good chunk of these, a little bit at least. And some um, of these, like you can just judge. Literally, the Peacemaker one is just the theme song. Yeah, and the other one's just Dynamite by BTS, and I don't imagine it's... Oh, it's okay, it's performed by one of the, the actors in Emily in Paris, I assume. Yeah, yeah okay, it's yeah, by her, like, by, like, her friend. Um, some, some of them are, yeah, some of them are literally just hears, like, songs, like, in, the Encanto thing, and then some are more scene-based, like, the ultimate winner for Heartstopper. Actually, the presence of Arts, I think musical moment they did a bit later because uh, i forgot if we talked about this when when it ca came around but i was actually pretty surprised that heart stopper was not more pre kind of present in best kiss or even one of the reasons and oh yeah we'll talk about it but best kiss which i was expecting to be more tv dominated like it had been the previous year and one of the reasons I don't believe it is is because there is a new category called Here for the Hookup, which seems to be exclusively TV shows, and seems to be where they put the ones where they're like, okay, well, all kind of the hot TV show moments, we can just give them their own own category. But Heartstopper, which is a very popular show among MTV's like current demographic, I assume, though... It came out in April, so it was kind of right at the edge of it, but it is kind of funny that, like, that is the only way... Best Musical Moment is the only thing where it kind of gets sort of a mention. Yeah, well, more than a mention, it won. Um, yeah. No, I just, I was scrolling through it, and it's just, I... I wonder what the reason behind it is, why there's just so many, like, they couldn't... With no other category, could they have this? I guess because it's like a, I don't know, maybe it's a song? I don't know why. Yeah. Very, very odd. We'll get there eventually, though. Yeah, I mean, well, looking at it, most frightened performance, they gave it to Jenna Ortega from Scream 5 or Scream, so. Oh, look at that. Yeah, we would have been able to talk about that eventually. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. Oh, Sadie Sink got nominated for Fear Street Part 2, 1978, one of my favorite movies of last year. That's, <laughs> that's oh, I, still need to, yeah, I still need to watch Fear Street. It's on my list. Yeah, it's yeah. 
I am I am a massive Fear Street stand. I'm just <laughs> movies where I watched the first one, I'm like this is really good, and then I wound up watching the second one. I'm like, yeah, this is still really good, but I watched it a second time. I'm like, no, wait, is this almost a masterpiece? And then the third one I watched, like, it was the day I had gotten my second booster, and I definitely was like developing like a fever, but I was like just sitting there on its wavelength going, oh my god, this is my favorite movie of the year. And it ultimately did not stay favorite movie of the year because West Side Story came around, but it has, was remained up there for a very long time. Um, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we got Comedic Genius Award going to Jack Black. Um, yeah, but like Jack Black hasn't really been in much recently, I don't think. It's mostly just. He's him gearing and his wacky... up for his big term, turn as Bowser in next year's Mario. Right. Movie. Yeah, I was about to say the only things that like he's really in is just his little crazy YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> Jablinski. Isn't he in that new Kung Fu Panda show they just released? Or I think so. Um, I'm still waiting for my Jack Black dream project, Brutal Legend Two. Um, that's what I want. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Um, sorry, I'm now going to con to confirm if it was okay. Yes, it is Jack Black as Poe in yeah Kung Fu Panda: The Dragon Knight. Before we get into it, we can talk about because best kiss this year. Um, I don't know if you got the chance to watch the bit of the ceremony at all, but. In one of the most eclectic Best Kiss team-ups we've had in the, a moment, Best Kiss was presented by David Spade, whose most recent credit is he was in kind of Norm MacDonald's last Netflix special as like a talking head. So literally they're like, from this oh. special, David Spade. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sarah Shahi, who is in the HBO Max streaming show Sex sex slash life but also is going to be in the rocks black adam movie that is coming out next month i believe so oh nice but it's like this really eclectic thing of like two people without like much much like commentary and she and she does a bit where she's like yeah you know for me the best kiss is like you know just the right amount of tongue and then t tongue she's like you know people use too much tongue not great to kiss in and then david spade's like Spade's like, yeah, he, he's like, yeah, he's like, my best kiss? He's like, yeah, lots of tongue. Just, it's, it's just some weird thing about him not being a good kisser. But then the benefit of having there is he announces the winner and then he's like, and then he's explicitly like, wow, they beat Zendaya. Just. <laughs> oh, did the, did the snake get to come up on stage too? Or was it just poopsie? Uh, we we can talk about that, but first I guess yeah. we'll, we should just get into it. So, for mm -hmm. Best Kiss 2022, the nominees are Hunter Schaefer and Dominic Fike, Euphoria, Lily Collins and Lucien Laviscount, Emily in Paris, Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz, The Batman, Tom Holland and Zendaya, Spider-Man No Way Home, and the winner... Poopies and the Snake, Jackass Forever. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 
So Jackass Forever, is this our first non-fictionalized piece that we've done? Everything I think has been like either fiction or like maybe we've yeah, I don't think we've done anything like close to reality-ish TV style movie. It's usually been like a a narrative. <laughs> yeah, it's our first kind of non-narrative film. It's like yeah, it is well, yeah, it's a jackass movie. It's a re- reality comedy film. Like, it's hard to describe. It's not really a documentary. It literally just is. Watch them do all these dumb stunts, which I guess there's a degree of scriptedness in that they plan out what's going to happen. And I mean, some of the prank prank stuff as well. I'm sure has like some elements, but yeah, the benefit of this is just watching them do really dumb stuff for her like an hour yeah. and a half it's great <laughs> yeah and like oh man because I, I just finished watching this um and i had i had a really good time i think i was i was kind of dreading this one because i haven't seen jackass in so long and i don't know if i wanted to watch like an hour and a half of it but like i don't know um I'm no. Like, I'm how no... will I ever follow the plot if I haven't seen the first three? <laughs> well, actually, I have seen. I think the first three, but only when I was like a little kid. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I remember because, um, like, I'm not. I am no stranger to uh, horrific, uh, cringy videos on the internet of people getting hurt. Um, and like, I think what Jackass figured out is that. There's something really fun about them when you have like a group of people on the outside just sort of laughing and then you kind of start laughing with them. I feel like if you took that out, I feel like you you miss out on a lot, you know? I feel like that's a it's a necessary element to make to keep this like continuing to be fun is just the sort of like the sort of like I don't know, like the friends palling around element of it. You know? Yeah, it's it is kind of that thing where, like, it's, and this was my sort of first exposure to the franchise, but I know a lot of friends of mine, like, they made finals, they're like, yeah, I have to see this in theater on, like, the biggest screen, and for a lot of them, like, you know, I mean, in, when this came out in, like, February, like, theater going was still, like, people were slowly kind of getting back into it, but it's still kind of a thing where... Uh, just with pandemic and everything, where I think a lot of people were kind of hesitant, but this was the film where sort of it's like, you want to see your friends again, and that and that film I think kind of has this vibe where you've been like watching the movies for a while, where you're like, oh yeah, I want to spend time with these people, even though it's probably going to like result in like just consequences and pain, like it's yeah, yeah, no, and it's like. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen the other ones. And, like, I don't know if these ones are necessarily amping it up anymore. But, like, I don't know. It's even... And, like, the funniest ones, like, weren't even, like, the big over-the-top ones. Like, I think my favorite one out of all of them was the one where they just put them into a room and then turned out all the lights. Uh, That one was just really funny to me. Um, And, like, I don't know. There's so many, like, little moments in this movie that are so funny uh like when there's i can't remember his name but he's the one guy with like sort of the one like tuft of hair on his head and like the goatee and like when they're like oh yeah we're gonna get like a a lightweight boxer to like hit you in the groin and then the fact that he just immediately clocks that it's not a lightweight boxer 
<laughs> it's just so funny. It's it's almost written. It's it's very 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 fun. Yeah, that one. I believe that was. Yeah, e- yeah, yeah. Erin or it says or da- danger danger. Erin it says being subjected to painful tests with an athletic cop. In which case, yeah, having a heavyweight boxer just punch it as hard as he can. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So you asked if they brought the snake out for like the yeah, for the presentation, and the answer is no. What happens kind of for and I guess we can talk talk about like the specific segment where the kiss kind of comes into play soon, but like what what sort of happens is uh yeah, po- poopies is up there and you know he he's obviously very surprised to be there like it's i said this before when it won this is the funniest like whether or not we agree if this was the best kiss this year this was the funniest possible outcome for like who could have won best kiss this year like oh yeah hands down like what a what a complete upset if you were to tell me the other four nominations and ask me to guess like the the fifth this would have been not even the last one. It would have never even showed up on my radar as being like a possibility. <laughs> this is our, depending on your views of Beauty and the Beast, our like second or third interspecies kiss. Yeah, the first one on... to win. It's yeah, like... the first one to win. You know, like yeah. we have you know Free Willy and and Beauty and the Beast and however you felt about Species too. Um, you know, but definitely our first as as contentious as all those are i think other than unless unless you consider species to be one as well our first winner yeah it's definitely i'll say as far as like species go it is certainly the second one where the kisses between like a human being and then like an actual animal or yeah (laughs) did we ever find out if like if it was a real whale or if it was just like a electronic I'm not too sure. What this was a, also, the extent to which it's a kiss is kind of debatable, but it's, um, yeah, yeah. I guess we we can talk about, but like basically the the kiss, so to speak, comes in a section where it, it's a segment called the Quiet Game, where oh, some yeah. of yeah, where it is some of the <laughs> like newer cast members because. This is, in addition to, like, the original, like, surviving nah, jackass people, they have several new cast members, including uh, Poopies, who definitely gets put through the ringer in his first test, but they are all essentially have to complete tasks, and the tasks, like, are very scary things, and they can't talk, so one of them, uh, yeah, yeah, Ra- Rachel, who's kind of, like, they, I think at some point they're like, oh yeah, we should add like a girl to the jackass like team. So she has a lick, lick like an electric current, or it's yeah. I think it's either like a battery or a taser that's just tied to like a pole. Yeah, and then I forget what the third one is, but this one is like oh, second. <laughs> yeah, the third one. We'll do the uh, snake one last, but the third one is um, it's Stevo, and he is, it's a skateboard guillotine where they just drop a skateboard uh, yes. on his on it like misery style like like on his legs 
And it just, it's so funny because it just, they do it and he just yelps, but like he cuts his yelp off like halfway through. Like he, he forgets he, the segment. <laughs> he forgets he's supposed to be mine. Oh. Uh, yeah, and it's because like, it's also like the, <laughs> arguably one of the more innocuous things they have to do for it as well. Like it's, it comes right yeah. after the snake one where Poopies is impressively silent for the thing in which his task is to kiss a rattlesnake. Um, and it's a thing where he goes in and the snake is, they have like animal handlers on set and I'm sure like he's not like an actual danger, but it's definitely a thing where the snake is actually trying to bite him. Like, oh yeah, they don't have to. They don't have to do much like goading of the snake. Like the snake is like going for him and like lands a couple of lands a couple of fangs into his lips. Yeah, like the kissing question in the montage isn't that when they have the instant replay because you don't necessarily see what's happen what happens like as it's playing, but then they go back and go. You know, sure enough, like in the second one, the snake full on springs up and has gotten like its fangs above like kind of the lip area and it's. Just in full-on, like, attack mode. And it is very funny. Um, But then for the actual, like, ceremony, it's him saying that, oh, he's broken up with the snake. He's gone Hollywood now. He's a big shot. He, he's got, like, a new girlfriend. And what song starts playing? Anaconda. And <laughs> then I'm gonna... I'll send you the video after, Ben, because it's you have to see it. But, like, it's... They bring up a full-on anaconda onto the stage... And then he kisses the anaconda and pulls away before I can attack him. <laughs> that's so perfect. So he kisses that's... a second snake that's even more dangerous than the first one <laughs> on live television. <laughs> that's it's what they do. It's their thing. <laughs> oh. No, it's uh yeah, it was really it really was like a fun a fun time to watch this movie. There wasn't like I feel like maybe, you know, the I feel like the ending could have been a little more bigger. They could it could have built to something a little more. But I guess that's just what these movies are. Um like they're not these supposed to be these big like holistic pieces. It's just more of like a collection of random gags. Um I do yeah. remember as yeah, I'm trying to remember. I do I I really do like the one um Oh, what's his name? I'll know it when I see it. Um, oh, it's Jasper. I do like um, when they get Jasper's dad in, and he just stays for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's just like they have him like put on like the spider helmet with um against uh, uh the guy we were talking about earlier, uh, uh Danger uh, Aaron, like, and <laughs> he's just it's funny because jasper jasper describes him as like as like oh he's this guy like he's he's not like scared of like like anything except for like stuff that like you wouldn't see on the streets you know like like oh like spiders birds you know like all this regular stuff <laughs> uh and he's just jasper's dad is just a delight to have for the rest of the movie yeah and then he's also not the only dad who makes an appearance in the film um i don't know if you realize this but this film was produced by uh spike jones the director of her um, okay movie you watch for the first time this summer i was i was about to say because I, I on i'm on wikipedia right now and i saw that spike jones's name was purple and i'm like why would i have gone to this person's page but you know he, he directed her 
Uh, I really loved her. Um, it was a really, really good movie. Uh, and yeah, I guess his dad just showed. When did he show up during what? Uh, what gag? I'm not sure. It's, I'm just reading the guest appearance things. It's, it's funny that like Eric Andre is listed in guest appearance when he participates in at least one stunt, which is him talking about how crazy it is to be in a jackass movie, and then he gets like pummeled by a big thing to just burst out of. <laughs> 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 Uh-huh. Like couldn't even give him a cast member credit, but I guess yeah. like I guess he gets off pretty easy compared to like some of the people in like Jackass, like. But yeah, also I'll say it was one where I was watching this and I did not get to this one in theaters. I kind of wish I had, but it was something where I'm like I don't have the experience, really have the experience with the franchise, but I did see the trailer a lot, so it is one where, yeah, I mean. So the big thing I was kind of waiting for, and of course he plays that in the end. Oh, is... sorry to interrupt. Oh, Spike Jones is also the Being John Malkovich director. <laughs> yes. Yeah, where the wild things are. And then he just also produces every Jackass movie. What are he the... is also the director of multiple Weezer videos, Ben. Oh, this guy is just a crazy... What a, we- what a weird collection of things that I would never think would be under one guy <laughs> yeah he, he's got range he's got range yeah um, yeah well say the trailer does kind of give away or one of the funnier th- things though it is good for the i mean you can see why they put in the trailer but the bit where i forget who but when they tie the guy out the bear s- sequence just i think that's also aaron again he, he always he's always getting the really rough ones yeah <laughs> <laughs> And, like, like I know that's the big thing of the trailer where it's just him being, like, there with the honey. And then the bear comes and he's like, no, no, no. Like. Yeah, because I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure they tell him it's going to be, like, bees or something. Um. Yeah. Or he's ready for bees. Or even, then, like, the one you mentioned where, like, they go in a room and they turn off the lights where they think. I forget if it's actually there or not, but they think, like, a scorpion is, like, just in the... Oh, I think it's, I think it's a snake. I think it's a snake again. Like, they think, uh, that there's gonna be, like, I don't remember if they, they might have, te- they might have, like, lied about the snake Someone kissing one before. Someone does get stung by a scorpion at one point. Oh, I think that's, um... Uh, Rachel does. Yeah, it's Rachel. Like, it's, like, the, it's, like, scorpion Botox or something. She gets, like, stung in the lips several times. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. God. I had a, fr- I have a friend who he recently was on like his honeymoon in Mexico, and I guess there was like a thing where they went to like a temple, and he was, oh, I guess a little just flipping about some of like the rituals and traditions. Though, like he kind of went through it, but then he w- later became convinced that he was cursed for his actions because back in the room he was sitting in the bathroom, and like a scorpion just entered the room in like attack mode, and he just had to. F- I guess fend off this scorpion because, like, in his moment later on, he's like, "Oh, this would not have been like a fatal attack, but in his head, at the moment, he's like, oh, this is a life and death thing." And I had that story in my head <laughs> as I was like watching this movie a bit. Just... <laughs> he's just shouting yeah. to his wife. He's like, "There's a freaking scorpion in here!" Just... <laughs> oh man, yeah. Yeah, no, this was this is kind of a fun a fun little romp movie. Um with a very definitely one of our definitely up there. I guess it is this is 
I guess it's always hard to tell, you know, with movies, like what kisses are real and what kisses aren't. But I guess this is, you know, one of our first like real kisses, you know, it's 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 two beings that uh, there's no script, just a challenge, you know, and I don't know if that's different, but it definitely it feels special. You know, it feels really special. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of got to give it credit for that. It's just <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? If it winning meant that there got to be a, a second snake kiss with an anaconda on stage. I think I, I don't know if by the end of this, I'll agree with their pick, but I respect it nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with that, um, I think we should be able to move on to euphoria. So this is a show I had talked about a bit in recommendation of the week before. I think when the, trailer for the second season was coming out or something but um euphoria of course is a very popular teen show about a group of kids who um get into not your typical teenage shenanigans um the way i always describe it to people when they're like is this show really accurate to like the experience of being a teenager and i'm like it's not accurate to like the realities of it but i would argue it is a pretty good depiction of what it's like to be young in just the mindset of everything is exhausting and overwhelming all the damn time like um yeah yeah so you had never watched euphoria before never but you watched this episode which is around the halfway point of the second season <laughs> and i is just packed with incident yeah i love this episode i feel like it has definitely topped my charts in uh tv shows that i've had to watch one or two episodes of for this podcast in that this like if you were to have given me this and then told me it was just like like a weird little cut up anthology i wouldn't I felt like I got enough information to, like, complete a story in my head with all of this episode. And it was, like, intriguing. It was, like, I was head over heels with this. The There's, I think there's, like, two, like three-ish, four-ish stories going on in this episode. Um, like, there's, of course, like, the, the titular, like, uh, story kind of based around... Um, zendaya uh hunter schaefer and dominic fike like they're sort of like weird like sort of love triangle drug use what have you moments and then also um i can't remember his name but he's the one guy the one guy with like the headband or like the he's like clearly got something he's clearly got like a head bandage um and then there's also like the party and then the funniest exchange in any show I've ever seen with like the, that's literally the freaking definition of gaslighting. Um, <laughs> I'd actually seen that scene before. Uh, Cause my friend Ian just sent it to me, sent me like a, a cut up version on TikTok, and it's, it's still hit. It was still super funny and I really liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's funny. Cause like I knew which, well, in my head, or before I, like, fully, like, rewatched this, like, I, uh, because this obviously aired in, like, the winter, and I knew when it was, like, episode four, 
when I realized it was, like, this episode where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a crazy one, but I couldn't remember why, and I had seen, like, part of it, and then I had to turn it off, and then I was, like, hanging out with you and Ian recently, and then just kind of going, and you were just saying some stuff, I'm like, oh, wait, wait, is this? And then I was just asking, like, that one, mainly for, like, the ending scene, I'm like, okay, yeah, now, now I remember why this is a crazy one, and, um... Yeah, to kind of just, I guess, situate it in the season. So, yeah, kind of the big, the big sort of arc of the season is Zendaya's character, Rue. Um, in the first season, she is in recovery from kind of her issues with addiction, and she has all this trauma from, like, the death of her father and being born on 9-11 and just, um, uh, that that's not a joke. Like, literally, it's one of the first things that happens in, like, the first episode is left thing when she's like, yeah, I was born on nine 11. <laughs> oh, I, I, I completely forgot about that. I did not pick up on that at all. I don't think it's not much in this episode. I <laughs> okay. Informing you at home, right. but yeah. essentially by the end of the first season, she relapses. And this season it's her kind of the first half of it is a lot of her struggling into addiction and getting into a lot of, yeah, basically doing a very risky plan where, she tells this drug dealer that she is going to sell like ten thousand dollars worth of drugs in a suitcase, but for the most part is just planning to like use these dr- drugs and get and kind of get the money there. And in the meantime, she has her romance with um, H- Hunter Schaefer's character Jules, but it it is becoming um, Jules doesn't fully know what's going on until this episode, but. Basically, yeah, they have started hanging out with this person, Elliot, and Elliot and Rue have been getting high together, and, like, it's, they kind of have this bond that, and there's this weird sort of romantic tension with, with them, and, yeah, and with Jules, and a lot of that kind of comes to to a head here, then another thing that's been going on is... I believe the, the birthday party was for the character of Maddie, who is basically, like, one of the popular kids played by Alexa Demi, and the idea is Maddie has an on-and-off relationship with um, Nate, who you don't get as much like this episode, because... But the idea with Nate is, like, a real asshole and a real piece of work and very, like, dangerous. And the reason he is like this is because his father is even worse than he is, um, his father, Cal. So that's, like, a lot of stuff kind of going on there. And but despite Nate being the worst, he has both this on and off thing with Maddie. But then uh, another one, kind of the big stories of the thing is he's been having this sort of secret relationship with this Sydney Sweeney character, Cassie, who is in this, uh, she's the one who throws up in the hot tub, Ben. Oh, okay. That one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm like, you probably don't have much context for like Sydney Sweeney as a person, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, she's getting very drunk cause she cannot handle the idea that like Maddie and Nate are going to get back together. Um, and also I believe this party is getting like, she is best friends with Maddie and this party is being hosted at her house. Which is also why characters are there, including uh, her her younger sis- sister, uh, Maud Apatow. We talked a bit when we talked about the movie where Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann met. This is this is now their daughter Maud, who 
does not have a big role in this episode, but a lot of the second season is her putting on a play about her life as kind of a bystander among, like, her sister and her friends, and it's, like, the most lavish school production of all time, and it's just crazy and great. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then there's, like, other characters going on, but yeah, this kind of is the season where a lot of that's coming to a head. The next, the episode after this one, because this one, I, you know, kind of towards the end is sort of where Jules is fully informed what's going on by, yeah, on by Elliot. And then kind of the next episode is Rue's mother becoming aware of what's going on and sort of just ahead of Rue kind of hitting her rock bottom and just lashing out at everyone and accidentally blowing up everyone's spot in secrets and then yeah you know kind of then the rest of the season is sort of the fallout of that and her trying to be like clean again so this is sort of the end of the first half of that also sort of the end of this Zen, Zendaya like Hunter Schaefer relationship and yeah it is kind of fun I'll say it is funny that the case here is not involved Zendaya because the episode does begin with a very, like, lengthy sequence showing how, like, much Zendaya loves Hunter Schaefer's character, despite being, like, so high out of her mind that she has to, like, kind of fake an orgasm there. But it begins with her, like, recreating a series of just romantic scenes from movies we have covered from, like, best, from past best kisses, among yeah. others. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was kind of nice that, uh, you know, this is... What uh, it feels like they're paying homage to us instead of just paying homage to cinema. It felt really cool because I feel like a lot of those would have gone over my head before we started this. Yeah, Titanic, <laughs> Brokeback Mountain. Um... <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, no. This was like this was just a very fun experience. Um, weirdly enough, that like the kiss part of it though was not like the centerpiece of this like whole episode that I watched. Um, uh, I feel like my favorite parts were just like the, the, uh, you know, Eric Dane star of uh, one of the stars of Valentine's day uh, movie we've covered. Um, Wait, <laughs> just that's his... where we've talked about Eric Dane before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another um, famous Grey's Anatomy alum. Yeah. The Grey's Anatomy web. Um, yeah, just his little escapades getting kicked out of a bar for wrestling and his little rant, uh, near the end, uh, the, the, you know, the put your penis away. I am who I am was very funny. Um, just like a, I don't know. I, I just thoroughly enjoyed this little episode. It didn't, it definitely didn't feel like the middle episode of like a two season thing. I think maybe that just speaks to the the insaneness of this episode or the quality of the show that like I was able to, I was able to pluck this one out and I felt very satisfied by the end. Um, you know, I felt like it was just entertaining, uh, even contextless. Yeah. I was curious. I'm like, man, how is Ben going to process this one? Cause so much happens and it is one of the stuff like, yeah, obviously a big part of the ending of this episode is Nate's said like Cal, like, literally like getting really drunk and literally pissing on the floor telling his family how terrible they are and then like leaving which is kind of paying off the previous episode which i believe as ian and i kind of told you begins with 
essentially this 15 minute short film explaining Cal's backstory where it was kind of, you know, I was in high school where he kind of was in love with his best friend a bit. And just as he was maybe getting ready to act on those feelings or do, do something, then he sort of gets Nate's mother pregnant and that kind of becomes his, yeah, his life. And then he sort of takes all his frustrations on that, on his family. And also, this doesn't, like, really come up as much, but a big thing in the first se season is that, like, he he had been, like, carrying out basically an affair or had, like, slept with jewels and this had somehow been on, like, tape. And a big kind of part of Nate's thing this season is he knows there's this tape of his dad doing something, like, terrible out there and it's kind of been being used for blackmail and then ultimately he uses it to kind of get his dad arrested at the end of the season but but let's show like how this episode is where like i don't think that tape even comes up it's just kind of there if you've been watching the season <laughs> and then or as you're just watching this guy have like a contextless breakdown <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man yeah uh what did you think of the kiss itself yeah the kiss was like I remember it being kind of like a weird one because yeah the character of Elliot is someone who he comes in this season and then he's fine but I think just he's not as interesting as some of the other characters and Hunter Schaefer is kind of underserved this season and to the point where this is kind of like her bigger moment that she has a sort of relationship and this like kiss with him and it's a good kiss but it's like the Jules character I enjoy a lot, like, the Elliot character is like, eh, so when they're kissing, it's not as exciting as it is, though, yeah. Though I'll say, this is kind of a momentous there, because, um, because Hunter Schaefer, I believe, is M empty, well, she's, yeah, she's not sort of the first tra trans person to get best kiss but obviously Elliot Page did not kind of come out till sort of years after his two best kiss nominees so oh, yeah. this is good for that kind of like where you're like oh yeah, here's here's progress here even if I think the kiss itself was kind of middling like yeah yeah I know um definitely my notes uh you know this made this kiss better is that um instead of Dominic Fike maybe a giant anaconda or like a rattlesnake um but maybe next time euphoria maybe next time yeah <laughs> yeah that's um that's my thoughts in euphoria definitely definitely it's a big backlog but definitely getting added to the list uh a little off topic i did finish rehearsal though um Ooh. that was i think i wait i think i still have like the last two minutes but i think i know where it's going i think it's just more just like cool shots unless it's a giant twist right at the end um it also might have just been credits i just i had to leave uh but i was just watching it in my bed um but it was real good that was like what a what an insane show yeah nathan fielder's the rehearsal which i guess got a lot of discourse over the summer that we missed because we were like at camp over just oh i ethics, of, ethics of it but yeah it's definitely ethically super questionable um but like not in in the same way that all 
I guess just minor spoilers in the same way that all child action child acting might be really unethical it's more it's more it's more shining a light than it is being a specifically horrific example um definitely yeah um but with that now we have to talk about emily in paris again i know this was one where i'm like maybe for season two i'll watch more of emily in paris season two and then I just didn't. Um, yeah, it's I. It's probably a good show if you sit down and give it a chance. But like, it really is just like pretty mediocre. And I think it's kind of telling that like every single recurring character I remember from the first two the so we I watched episode one and then episode ten of season one and like all of like the side characters are like exactly the same like i feel like i've not missed a single beat i feel like there's been like and like certain shows don't have that and i'm always the person complaining about how shows should be like 22 minutes and i guess i guess this show would probably be the perfect one for me if i wanted that because the episodes are short and sweet and like they just sort of start and end and not much happens (laughs) yeah it yeah, it kind of is that, that one where... I'll say, this episode did... At least it's there is kind of a subplot with a sort of Peloton. They they had some fake name, but it was clearly just Peloton with the idea of, like, this exercise by trying to, like, have... make a thing in Paris and basically everyone but Emily being like, what the hell is this? Like... Yeah, I I don't know if I I what do you okay I guess to I guess before we get into the kiss we can talk about the pedal bike and them in Paris but everyone's like we just we'll just bike around anyway, um, like yeah the idea and, but, that Paris has like a lot of a big bicycle scene and then yeah they're like why would we need like an a stationary bike just yeah uh, and then there's also um, there's like a weird scene at the end where like the main boss person who is like kind of i guess the closest thing to like a antagonist the show has like is using it in like her house apartment penthouse thing and i'm like what does this mean does it mean she is it just like a little joke because it had like the tone of like setting up this big like it had the tone of like a needle drop you know but i think it might just be like is it just supposed to be like a funny joke like oh haha she like was so against it but she actually really likes the idea of biking alone in her house or something it was yeah i I think it was just kind of that thing that for all her like protests when actually forced to try it she's like oh yeah no this is pretty good yeah yeah but uh no the kiss is with um i don't know if this character showed up in season one at all but no he um... is new for this season okay yeah um i feel like i'm gonna butcher this name lucien lavis count uh you probably probably do it like better than when yeah yeah he plays this character alfie and the idea is in the second season she finally realizes oh maybe i should learn french and she kind of takes a french class and her relationship with the first season's guy gabriel did not really work out like or this plan like he has his own relationship and like she had her own issues as well and it kind of comes up there but 
she in this French class meets this Eng- visiting English banker Alfie, who then. My understanding from just looking is it's it's kind of one of those things where initially they don't like each other very much, but as they spend time together, they like, you know, the sparks kind of fly. And oh, no, I was just saying this was another one where the kiss happens pretty early in the episode, and then the rest is kind of about sort of the fallout from that when she thinks he has ghosted her. Um, yeah, um, yeah, the kiss is like early on, and it's like it's really cute. I I thought the stuff they had uh, near the beginning of the episode was just like really adorable, and like I feel like this is a perfectly fine show. And like um, my only gripe though with like this one in particular is that like it f- it feels like nothing really happened at all. Like it, if I guess like I said earlier, like I guess as much as I dislike the fact that we're getting hour hour and 20 minute episodes with tv shows now at least like a lot happens and like that was just kind of my thing by like by the end of this episode i felt like there was like the conflict was that he lost he that she had his phone the whole time instead of it being ghosting him and like there were like little things set up but i i feel like i feel like uh i feel like i got like monkey paw wished where like um I wished for a show that had uh, shorter episodes, but now I need to watch twice as many to get the same amount of content. Um. <laughs> I will say there are a lot of streaming shows where not much happens in like with twice the episode length. So yeah, I'm never going to be opposed to things being shorter, even if like, you know, there may be a bit more slight, but yeah, I could say, Maybe there's a version of the show that's an hour long, but more stuff happens in it. Um, yeah, like more gags. With I really, I don't know. I really, I, I don't know if I mentioned it the first time we covered this, but I really do like his her two little coworkers. I think they're just, I think they're just funny. They're just good comic relief characters. I always think they always make me smile. Their little quips and whatnot. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot to talk about with this one because yeah the kiss happens early on it's really cute and then the conflict of the episode is kind of just like the weird bike thing that i'm assuming just goes away after this episode and then her her thinking he's he that she has been ghosted which is kind of funny because the payoff to that is like he had left his jacket and you know she was just kind of like going around around with it and it turned out his phone was in his his phone was in his jacket and he's actually been looking for her because she has his phone yeah and then like there's clearly something being set up with um with her friend um that like she's like seeing like a guy that doesn't know that she's like a famous celebrity she doesn't want to know i assume that like i assume that's probably like gonna get a addressed in a later episode um yeah but other than that it's just sort of like a funny misconception episode with like i'm assuming for the people watching like like super hard i assume that moment where the guy who runs the cafe realizes like what's happening between them is like i'm assuming that was probably some sort of uh painful payoff for you emily and paris fans well, yeah, that is, of course, that was Gabriel, her season one kiss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't even know anymore. But, yeah, um, 
I'll say, this definitely was an episode where I'm like, hmm, maybe I will watch Emily in Paris one day and go, yeah, this was enjoyable, and then I'll, like, say it there. But at the same time, if my only exposure to this is the show keeps getting nominated for Best Kiss somehow, then, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, oh. is, it is kind of funny that this show got uh, us just... It got a second best kiss nomination over like say something like never have i ever or actually now i'm like wait when was the second season of ridgerton though that was less kiss focused but i feel from the first but oh yeah ridgerton season two was in the nomination window so it is kind of interesting that kind of those shows are there or outer banks which um, based from, like, our friend Mags, is still, like, fairly popular and has done multiple seasons. It's interesting that, and was last year's winner, that neither of those kind of get nominated while, like, Emily in Paris just keeps getting to do stuff. Like, just, I'm just looking now to confirm. Yeah, wow, Bridgerton just fully shut out of MTV this year. Um, hmm. Yeah, so we don't got anything else to say about Emily in Paris, right? Oh, oh, there I'm here. Okay, sorry. My computer was just, everything was crashing and freezing. Um, yeah, no, I don't have, I can still hear you though. Uh, yeah, no, I don't really have much else to say about Emily in Paris. Um, yeah. Cute kiss. Emilaris in Paris. <laughs> Emilaris in Paris, you know. If I had to make, um, you know, one note that, um, Maybe replace Lily with like some sort of anaconda or rattlesnake, but maybe next time. Maybe next time, Emily. Maybe next time. Yeah, and all right. So next we got the Batman, and yeah, there's one thing yeah. I could say. It's have a lot of fun. Yeah, the Ratman. You know, something's in the way. Mm-hmm. Something's in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, <laughs> I did uh, I did not rewatch this from the last time I saw it a couple of months ago, like pre-summer. Or I guess I saw. I probably saw it when it like came out. Right. Um, because it is a long movie. Uh, like super duper long. Um, but I did rewatch the kiss and like. I was surprised because I definitely, I definitely didn't remember there was a kiss because like, it's like, <laughs> it's it's weird. D- despite what some Batman trailers will tell you, um, these usually aren't like love stories. They're usually Batman stories, um, and it's like, I wouldn't say that it's like out of nowhere, but it's definitely like, it's definitely not super built up too. But it's still a really good kiss. It's still, like, shot really nice, like, the rest of the movie. It's, like, it's kind of sweet. Um, I really like Robert Pattinson's Batman. I think it's kind of, I think it's neato. Um, Now that I've seen, I think I've seen at least one movie of every other kind of Batman now. Um, Yeah. Long movie, good kiss. (laughs) What were your thoughts? Yeah, um... I I did rewatch this one and 
probably fell asleep a little bit because it's late and as of late I've yeah I am getting older and now do not always stay up to like 3 a.m. like I used to like my you know, sleep schedule shifting and I have to like adjust that a little bit but yeah um I think yeah this movie is really good I remember seeing it in theaters it was one where and I'll, I'll say I don't mind that this movie's very long even though this is certainly one of the longer films we've covered on this podcast like give or take one of the Scorsese's probably like I'm sure Casino was longer than this and then like Titanic like it and does it need to be two hours and 50 minutes like mm, probably not do I enjoy it yeah because this is a film and we have talked about Batman Begins and obviously we're gonna get to the rest of the Nolan ones but um the Nolan Batman movies I think they are a take where they're like all right here's a serious realistic take on Batman kind of but they're a bit more grounded in like kind of realism and this one similarly it's like all right it's gonna be dark it's gonna be gritty but I think it is a film that still has like kind of comic booky touches like it has room for it is funny that the best villain nominee we're going to be talking about for this one is the penguin like just call yeah that is i don't know why maybe they just really liked his performance in phone booth and wanted to give him another crack at the title i mean it's a really um, good performance but like it's also just this crazy comic booky thing or but it does feel kind of like i think it came to sort of a batman comic universe where i feel this world could incorporate a robin in it eventually like i feel this could have a joker kind of i mean it does sort of bring joker in on the edges and it's funny because i was aware that joker was going to be in the movie and my assumption was it would just be sort of a post credit scene but then there's actually like a couple more scenes in movie and I wound up liking that approach, even though people are like, why did they put a post-credit scene, like, in there? Because it suggests that the idea of there is not to set up, hey, Joker's next, but, no, this is a world that has, like, a Joker in it. And there actually is sort of a deleted scene from the film that is just more interaction with Batman and the Joker, where they try and do a bit of a Silence of the Lambs Hannibal-type thing that they kind of just cut from the movie, because assumably they're like, oh, this will be way too distracting, but... It's it does feel like a good Batman world and I also I think this movie it's funny because the thing I compare it into my head to is The Amazing Spider-Man which it's sort of a movie where like he's been Batman for a bit at this point but he's only kind of thinking it as a tool to sort of get vengeance much like in Amazing Spider-Man where their idea is he initially oh he's just gonna become Spider-Man because he's trying to hunt down the burglar that killed Uncle Ben and I do, I am sort of a sucker, and the thing that kind of took me in theaters where I'm like, yeah, this is good too, oh, yeah, no, this is great, is it is a story about him realizing kind of the limits of only being about vengeance and the idea that, oh, maybe he can be more for the city, maybe, like, the civilians don't have to be, like, afraid that he's gonna, like, beat them up too, and I think part of that journey is sort of just this thing with Catwoman, which it's also, like, yeah, yeah. 
I think Zoe Kravitz is really good in this as well. She previously played Catwoman briefly in the Lego Batman movie. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. But she does not have much of a big role in that. Because Have you ever seen Lego Batman? I have not, but I've, I've only heard good things. It seems like it's right up my alley. Yeah. It's like a really fun Batman movie. It, yeah. It's actually kind of a Quinn, do I say the like the TV show, like Harley Quinn, and that's one that sort of is interested in it is like psychology and just the contradictions of like being Batman. But I'll say it is like a film that it has all these classic Batman fi- films and then kind of sidelines them to bring in, in Lego movie style, just villains from other franchises. And something where when I saw this in theaters, I'm like, oh yeah, this is really cool. And then I rewatched that film and I'm like, why is over half this film like, oh, the Sauron Towers in Gotham now, and King Kong's here? Like, but, <laughs> yeah. But no, Lego Batman's really fun. Um, But, yeah, the Catwoman relationship, and I forget if I talked about this last time, but it's interesting kind of comparing this to, like, Batman Returns, where obviously the context for it is different, because in the time where this movie is sort of being made a few years ago, one of the writers of the Batman comics, Tom King, he kind of comes up with this run that is precipice on this idea of Catwoman is Batman's soulmate to an extent. And it's a run built on the idea of, can Batman be happy? Like, does he have to just be in misery to the mission? Or, like, does that always have to be part of it? Or can he, like, just choose to be in love and do things and... It's something where, like, for example, I forget if that's just what they named the clip or if, like, if they actually call each other Bat and Cat in movie. But I think that sort of scene at the end and the imagery of them in the rooftops, it is kind of pulled a bit from that run that is sort of focused on this idea of all this sort of lush romance between them. And I think this movie is good at, um... I'm not sure, as you said, it is kind of surprising when they, like, kiss a little bit, but I think it is good at having it where there's, at least in my mind, enough chemistry between them where you're like, okay, yeah, I can I can see sort of why they're, like, kissing in this moment, this idea that he spends time with her and it is, like, pretty important for his journey, even though the film ends with her deciding to go while he realizes he needs to stay. Um, yeah, no, this was... It is definitely like I definitely before I rewatched that one scene, I definitely in my head had this idea of like sort of this like like not bad, but definitely like not as good as it actually was scene of them kissing. But like, no, it's just like a nice little they're having like a little conversation about what to do next and about like all these problems. And then there's flirting a little bit and then they have this like really, really beautiful kiss, honestly. And I definitely don't remember taking that in when i watched it mainly because this was like maybe like two hours and 40 minutes into this huge movie (laughs) um (laughs) and yeah but like definitely definitely closed that gap i had in my brain of like i don't know why this one got dominated but i kind of see why like it was a good kiss even in a non- a non-kiss-centric movie, um, which, like, we don't get a lot of nowadays. 
uh it's mostly just these big blockbusters that just so happen to have kisses in them you know yeah it, yeah i'd uh, i'd agree right it is kind of yeah a lot of the kiss actually i think pretty much every kiss in here i would say the romance is not really the point of the movie which is like in or or tv well maybe no emily in paris it is kind of the point but yeah but the rest of them like there's other stuff going on which yeah makes this interesting like i remember when we were doing the all tv best kiss where i'm like it's just just what the category is gonna be now like just a bunch of boring stuff but no this is like a really thoughtful kiss um even though uh, yeah and yeah and all the nominees here i'm like yeah i can see why this is there even though we we have we talked on air about how weird it is that Free Guy didn't get a best kiss nomination? Like I think we talked about it a couple times. Um I don't know but we'll, we'll we'll say it again. It's it's our it's our little fight, it's our little petition. The Free Guy kiss is insanely good. Like and the Free Guy movie is surprisingly great. Um if you can like if you can get over the fact that it's Ryan Gosling, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, which like I Ryan Reynolds, sorry. Who's <laughs> Ryan Gosling? What a different, what a funner movie. Um, it is just this, like, it is a movie that on paper sounds kind of awful. And then I, if I would also tell you there are, like, parts of this movie where it is just, like, you just see streamers just, like, not, like, in the movie, but just, like, in, like, their setup, just, like, saying weird stuff about this f- crazy free guy. Um, and if I also told you that... Um, Taiki Waikiki, I, I can never get his name right, um, is giving prop. Yeah, all right. Taika, <laughs> my bad. Uh, there we go. Um, he's giving not his best performance. With all those caveats in place, this was such a fun movie with an incredibly good kiss. Yeah, it's funny where I'm like, do we really want to talk about Free Guide in our Batman segment? But we're going to talk about the Batman again when we get near the end of best villain and probably another ones and hey this up epi- we're covering a like yeah i don't know if you checked the time but like yeah so this looks like it's gonna be one of our classic like yeah shorter episodes well short for us used to be just like an hour and now it's like 90 to 100 minutes but yeah 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 the thing with free guy is if it starred someone different from ryan reynolds i think it could be great like if it's Channing Tatum's briefly in the movie. If Channing Tatum was the star and Ryan Reynolds was the fun cameo, that would probably be a lot better. Um, or if Joe Keery, who plays kind of someone who may or may not be Ryan Reynolds' like human counterpart, was just also the Ryan Reynolds role, that maybe would be the best. But, hey, like, you know, Reynolds is... He is what he is. It's not as good as his performance in Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, but it's, yeah, there's enough other good stuff going on in, like, in Free Guy where I'm like, yeah, no, this is a good movie. And the kiss in it is, like, really great. Like, Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I don't have much else to say about the Batman, especially, like, the kissing aspect of it. I have other um, stuff to say but yeah. it's probably 
gotta save some stuff for like the villain villain yeah i'll probably by the time we reach the villain one i will have rewatched it and probably have more things like right in the front of my brain about it especially because like there is like a lot about that movie that's like really good um yeah i think something you mentioned that's really stuck with me uh we might even repeat this next time but like just that the image of batman like helping people in the day is like really powerful um but yeah but in terms of like the kissing stuff, it kind of just has its one scene, yeah. also, and then it's the, over. The score, if best score was a category here, like the Batman score goes hard. Like it's not just that Nirvana song; just it's kind of all the the tone and it. It's from like Michael Giacchino, who famously did the music for the TV show Lost, and has worked sort of with the director Matt Reeves before on the the Planet of the Apes movies, like, in those reboot ones. And he's just really going all out on it. Um, but, yeah, that's probably all I gotta say about the Batman for now. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, like... We'll probably talk about, like, Kravitz a bit more it's nice that she actually gets a full arc and Catwoman is sort of like another lead in this and yeah no let's can probably move on now to another very long superhero epic Spider-Man No Way Home yeah I did end up rewatching this one uh not the new edited version unfortunately with like the new added scenes the the classic one um Still, like, a really fun, fun movie. I was definitely not sure how I would feel about my second viewing. Just because, like, a lot of this movie's, um, like, a lot of this movie's, like, quality and fun is, like, I wouldn't say, like, built around, but definitely felt in, like, that first viewing in a theater experience. Um, Like, there are just certain scenes that were clearly made for that, just, like, that super hype um, that just don't, that, that, really couldn't hit as good the second time around um but happy to say like on a second viewing like still really really fun yeah this i'll say it is interesting now that for best kiss we have covered spider-man 1 amazing spider-man 2 and now kind of the third tom holland spider-man movie that yeah we've done now an ersatz trilogy of spider-man kisses all have from different <laughs> performances and different worlds. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is a movie that I remember being concerned about on the time, uh, basically, because the the Holland Spider-Man ones, uh, I I mean, I enjoy Homecoming a lot. Uh, we've had some fun arguments about Homecoming over the years and just parts of it, but I think it's, like, a really good film. And then, uh, no, and then, Far From Home is one that, like, you know, was, like, fun at the time. And, again, we saw it in theaters together. It was, like, there. And then I also spent years with some people who had a lot of strong critiques about this film, mainly both in the idea that the MCU Spider-Man was, rather than being an everyman one, was essentially being turned into the next kind of Tony Stark. And despite the idea of him being the ultimate working-class hero, that suddenly he has access to drones and all these things, which did kind of, like, I guess tamper my enthusiasm for that movie, where I'm like, yeah, all that stuff is kind of weird, though this film does very quickly strip him of all that, and 
by the end of the movie, he is actually in a better position to just kind of do classic Spider-Man um stuff. But this, yeah. But then the other thing with this film is, and I know, as you said, it is kind of built for that first showing in theaters and everyone's reaction when all the crazy cameos were happening, but uh, I don't, I think we alluded to it at the time when it was coming out, where, out, but, like, Ben, you had heard all the rumors, like, basically all the rumors that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were going to be in this yeah, film before absolutely. you saw it. Yeah, absolutely, and it's right? also, like, kind of like, well, no, duh, it's going to, like, the only reason it wouldn't happen would be if that just like corporate shallowness of just not being able to sign the contracts. But like if if this movie got to be the movie that it wanted or like the movie that it wanted to be, they were going to be in it. You know what I mean? So it's like a high chance. Yeah. And but yeah, so the thing about this movie was as it was in production and all the stuff started kind of coming out because you know i think initially they're like yeah it's a spider-man one doctor strange is here it's going to be kind of like dealing with the fallout of his identity being exposed and you're like okay but then they started you start getting all these kind of rumors where they're like alfred molina's like jamie fox is yeah jamie fox was the first one where they're like jamie fox is playing electro again and you're like huh and then you're hearing like jamie fox and Alfred Molina were kind of the ones who, before the trailer kind of revealed that, yes, Doc Ock is back in this movie, Alfred Molina was like, yeah, no, I'm in this movie, but the more you kind of hear that, like, oh, they're bringing back the old Spider-Man villains, and then all these rumors are there, my fear for this movie was that it was just going to be an incoherent mess of just cameos and empty fan surface, and... Uh, the thing that pleasantly surprised me about this film, which I did not rewatch for this podcast, but did wind up seeing twice in theaters, is it does tell, and this is something that like I don't think Far From Home really does, but it tells a very coherent like story about like basically Peter just finally doing the like, great power and great responsibility, which I guess just did not happen to MCU Spider-Man. Like, in when Homecoming is like, yeah, we're skipping over the Uncle Ben thing, it made sense, because you're like, well, you've done that in two movies. But then it came up with this weird thing where so suddenly people are like, wait, did Uncle Ben actually die in this universe? Was it actually Peter's fault? <laughs> like, which now has only been compounded by the fact that Aunt May dies here and does essentially the Uncle Ben thing. But I think it does tell, like, a story. And by the end, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of, like, weird fan service, but it is kind of character-focused and does sort of end with him in a pretty good place, even though the idea of everyone forgetting who Peter Parker is also is vaguely similar to one of the most hated Spider-Man stories of all time, where Spider-Man makes a deal with the <laughs> devil that erases his marriage in exchange for saving You've Aunt told me about this a couple times. It's, it's insane-sounding every time. Um, yeah, no, um, yeah, I really like this movie. Uh, I'm probably going to save a lot of what I want to say about it for the next time we talk about it. Cause like the thing I probably love the most about this movie are like the villains and like the returning ones and stuff like that. Those are probably like my favorite parts. Um, but like this movie still is also just like, it's very funny. It's got a lot of good jokes. Um, 
I really like Hannibal Burris's bit in this movie that just like hating Spider-Man so much because he just he just believes Mysterio. Um, and yeah, Mysterio you're a war criminal, was right. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is yeah, it's it's really uh, it's really funny. You know, it's it's good it's good uh, characterization because he also called Captain America a war criminal and Homecoming. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, and just like I don't know, and uh, spoilers for this movie, obviously, but like um, I think the ending and like the ending kiss is just like is just this really nice giant emotional scene um, that is just so like I feel like you know the I don't think I've been so long since I've seen it, but like. Um, I guess she, I guess Zendaya's character is in Homecoming at least like a little bit because she's like the the Vulture's daughter. Um, <laughs> no, she isn't. You are thinking Wait, of Liz what? Allen. Um, yeah. So Homecoming, the idea Spider-Man's love interest in that is Liz Allen, who winds up being the Vulture's daughter, and M. Yeah. Uh. Zendaya is playing this character kind of Michelle, who is just sort of, she's off to the side and she's in like a few scenes, like this is before Zendaya is a superstar, like she's a known entity and everyone is kind of like, oh, is she gonna turn out to be MJ? But like, all we knew is like, it was Michelle and yeah, that is kind of the ending reveal is that, well, Liz Allen kind of has to move in the end because her dad is like the vulture and there's all this stuff to kind of deal with. But then like when Michelle's there and they're like, Oh yeah, your friend, she's like, well, you can call me MJ. Oh, okay. And then you're like, Oh, Michelle Jones, <laughs> MJ. Just... Oh, okay. I, and then this, and then this film does add Watson to her name. Yeah. Oh man. I, I definitely have been walking around with a false memory in my head that Zendaya's character is actually, the vulture's daughter i don't know why i thought that i think it's because there's like the there's like the line in this movie where um so i don't know we never meet like zendaya's parents but like there's like the line in this movie where it's like where uh where peter parker it's near the beginning and peter parker's like i thought your i thought your dad liked me and she's like well not anymore i don't know why i thought that i i don't know why that's in my head um i get <laughs> Wait, then if her, if he knew her dad was a vulture, why would he? Think <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, because now everybody knows he's Spider Man, um, and the vulture is now trapped forever in the Venom verse. Um, yeah. No, that's just that is just a a piece of trivia that it was just incorrect in my brain for so long. Um, yeah. Like, so I I guess I was correct in my original thing where like. Zendaya doesn't really get like a lot if er, barely any except for like kind of like a little couple lines in the first movie and then they get to like really like kind of like the second movie gets to really be a huge chunk of that is just about them like the secret coming out and like them sort of like starting dating and stuff like that and then I feel like it helps this movie sort of have its big emotional moment at the end where they kind of have to like say goodbye and have their big goodbye kiss, which is like, it's, it's a pretty damn good kiss. It starts out a little rough. I don't love the first initial like camera angle 
but I think it eventually starts panning up and it ends up becoming this really nice, really, really nice scene. Um, it's definitely not the best shot one, but I think it's like the most emotionally impactful one out of all of these easily. Yeah, I was surprised as well, because as you said, the Spider-Man romance, like, it's something they kind of build up a bit in the second film, but it's, I'd say, not the strongest part of that movie. Mostly memorable for a scene where he's jealous when she's talking to another guy, and then accidentally orders, like, a drone strike on the bus everybody is in. <laughs> Just, which... Again, it's one where I have people like hate that, where he's like, he did that, and I'm like, like he's, I'm like, honestly, it's the most realistic teenage thing he did in the movie, where it's like, yeah, of course, if you're like a 16 year old with a drone, drone, you would do something <laughs> stupid, like just yeah. with like this powerful weaponry, but, but yeah, this and then, but this film, yeah, it does a, like, I was surprised when they like kiss how much it really does kind of establish that connection and obviously it's powerful and desperate because it's kind of like a kiss goodbye but it it's also funny because sorry i mean the trailers taylor's movie were very much towards the idea of oh is zendaya gonna die here like it having her sort of fall off the building in scenes and it is i'll say first it is kind of funny that that character is used sort of to provide a moment of catharsis for Andrew Garfield. Like, he gets to save someone else's, like, you know, girlfriend after failing to save Gwen in Amazing Spider-Man Yeah, that was, like, yeah, because they definitely showed that that scene in, like, the trailers of, like, kind of mirroring the Amazing Spider-Man 2 shots. Um, yeah, I, I really like that scene. I think that's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movies. I Watching it recently, like, definitely all of the Andrew Garfield stuff is my favorite, hands down. Yeah, yeah I feel this is a real good redemption for Andrew Garfield, who I always thought was, like, really good as the character, but because those movies are kind of a mess, always sort of got sort of the short stick, and which this film even kind of alludes to when he has to be Peter Three. <laughs> yeah, which, it's always just a joke when they're like, "Yeah, Peter one, Peter <laughs> Peter two, three. Just... <laughs> but it's also very funny that he's the very the first Peter that shows up when they're doing like the scene when like Ned is because they're like because Ned's thing in this movie is he's kind of magic and can do that kind of toss around. So when that but when that ha but when that happens and Andrew Garfield shows up first. I remember my theater having a huge, yeah, reaction. Yeah. <laughs> like, not as huge as when, like, Toby shows up, but, like... Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a really, really... Uh, yeah, this movie, like... I feel like I, I say the... I have the same... Uh, not critique, but the same compliment I serve this movie that I serve Endgame, in that they're... So, these, mo those, these movies are what I... Are, like on paper should be like a mess that doesn't work and like fumbles every there's like so many opportunities to fumble and have it just turn into like kind of an unfun mess but like these movies just both those movies just kind of like bring it all together and stick the landing so well yeah it is a movie that it is mo more coherent than i'd expect and i think even then the first time i watched it, i'm like yeah this is pretty good and then the second time i'm like yeah no I like this. Like, 
yeah, it's fan servicey, but that's fine. It's like Spider-Man. It's and yeah, it's because there isn't honestly not that much to talk about like the kiss here because even though Zendaya is like involved throughout the film, the romance again is not really the point, but it is just this strong kiss and it's kind of being set as during I yeah it's like sunrise like the sun is coming up and it it's one of the more emotional i'd say romantic moments in any kind of marvel movie that i've seen to this point which is impressive for like one of the tom holland spider yeah movies. no absolutely yeah uh so do we got anything else to say about no Spider-Man? i'll probably save yeah a lot of what i want to say for our for our villain uh nomination but yeah no i is it really really good movie very very long like the batman uh i don't know not quite as long though i think the batman's almost clocking in at three i think this one ends at a at a a soft two uh two hours 20 i remembered it being like longer as a thing like i feel it goes to at least two and a half but yeah because i think the extended version is like 240 like it's that was partly why I ultimately chose not to see it. Also, because I had the opportunity to see Dragon Ball Super Superhero, so I took yeah. that instead. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so how? Did, yeah. I guess. How did these movies slash TV shows uh, shake out in your opinion? All right. So, um, at the bottom of this. I'm going to have Emily and Paris at the bottom. Like, not nothing the show did, just... It's kind of just where it has to... It's just kind of where it shakes out in comparison to everything else. Um, <coughs> Then above that, I will say... Ooh, trying to decide which Zendaya thing I want to put here. Um, hmm... I'll probably put Euphoria here, just because, like, Spider-Man, I think, is a bit more coherent in what it's doing, even though Euphoria takes a lot of, <coughs> sorry, um, crazy swings and has, like, insane montages and stuff. Or Actually, now I'm just thinking about how fun all those, like, montages are. Mm, maybe that does give it the edge. Um... I'll say it's soft-tied with Spider-Man No Way Home, a movie which, again, is a lot more coherent than I thought it would be, and I have some issues with it, which I'm sure we'll talk about, like, the next time it comes up, but honestly, yeah, it's good, and I think it is, it it definitely springboards the MCU Spider-Man to be in an interesting place by the end of it. Um, Then for top two... Jackass in the number two spot, I would say. Just really fun movie, a lot, lot of good stunts, like, a lot of heart. And then number one, yeah, The Batman. Um, a movie that, it's not my, like, it's not my favorite Batman movie, just because the ones I love are so high up there, but it's definitely, like, a really strong one, and I do enjoy it a lot, even though it is so, so long. Um... How about you, Benny? Yeah, um, I think our list shaked out pretty differently. Um, so I think at the bottom, well, where it didn't shake out differently, I think I also have Emily in Paris, like, 
nothing against it. Definitely my favorite episode of Emily in Paris so far, uh, but still like outshined by these other these other nominees. Um, right above that, I think I would actually just have the the Jackass movie, um, just because like I really did enjoy it, but like I feel like the everything I'm gonna put above it was like more of like a I don't know how to describe it. I think I think this movie is sort of dumb fun, but the other ones sort of have I think have left me with something more than any, than the Jackass movies. Um I think right dab in the middle, I think I do have The Batman. Um I think it is probably one of my top 10 favorite movies I'm never going to watch again. Um or at least I'll do it for the podcast obviously. I think it's just I think it's got a lot of good things i think it's just maybe a bit too long and i feel like this thing the reason i feel like i feel like on my second viewing the reasons it's too long are going to stick out to me like a sore thumb so that's why i feel like right now it's right in the middle um and then for my top two so it's a weird one but i think i do have to put uh euphoria right above spider-man no way home um i don't know what it was but this one episode plucked out of this, you know, this series that has clearly gotten a lot of notoriety was just such a fun, uh, euphoric experience that I really would not replace for anything. And I think it honestly has to take the top spot this week. Um, Spider-Man would probably be higher if we were judging like our first viewing, but I would say that Euphoria uh, season two episode four or seven um definitely was better than my second viewing of spider-man no way home um yeah that's how mine shook out wow but how did the kisses do um so uh funny how this shakes out but euphoria is probably at the bottom of my kiss list um just because it's like it's short it's sweet but it's also like not the focus of the episode and also like it's between two characters where one of which was involved in this giant love montage and then is not, then the other person is just Dominic Fike. Um, not a bad kiss and definitely like intriguing, uh, especially as viewing this like I did as a short film. Um, yeah, just not a, nothing to write home about. And then above that one, I would have the Emily in Paris kiss. Very similar to the Euphoria kiss where it's just a small little cute little moment but i would say the emily in paris one is just cuter um and then right smack dab in the middle uh i would have the jackass kiss um just like very funny uh like one of our most insane kisses but like but it's also like not the funniest but not only is it not the funniest part of that movie it's not the funniest part of that segment for me it would have to be steve-o letting out that little yelp when he the skateboard lands on his legs um and then for my top two i think i'm gonna have to have spider-man no way home take the top spot over the batman just because i feel like there was just i feel like there was just better build-up and emotion and they're both beautiful i would say the batman one is consistently more beautiful but i feel like the spider-man one gets there and also has the added benefit of being this like this giant climax to like the story and like the moment it's taking place in where the batman one just feels like it's on top of the story and doesn't really add anything to its climax um and then how do your kisses shake out 
I mean, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Well, at the bottom, yeah, I think I also have the Euphoria one at the bottom, followed by the Emily in Paris one. It's, they're fine, just, yeah. The Euphoria kiss, again, as I said, I'm pretty indifferent to the character of Elliot, and Emily in Paris is, I'm never, like, I'm never that gonna be that invested in it, even though, yeah, I'll say this kiss was... A lot better than the first season one. Um, then, above that, ooh, this is where it's gonna get tricky. Um, I will say for, yeah, for the, yeah, for the number three spot, I will give that to, yeah, I think the Batman. Um, just as you said, it's a very good kiss, but it's kind of just one element from that movie, and it's, like, really well shot and really beautiful, but, like, it, it's... Batman and Catwoman, I think, have a lot of great ki kisses, and this does not quite get up there to, like, the best of them, but it's still very strong. Then for top two. Um... Here is the thing, like, it's for what's the better kiss? It's probably, like, I think, effectively, I think we can say the Spider-Man No Way Home kiss is better than, like, the snake <laughs> thing. But for what brings me the most joy, um, and just to kind of, I think, reinforce that, I feel the right choice was made for winner. I do think I'm going to have to give it to like Jackass. Yeah. Um, just officially, as much as I love that like Spider-Man Two kiss, and it made me care about the Tom Holland's and Daya relationship uh, more than I'd have expected. But yeah, just sometimes you gotta reward the snake. <laughs> exactly. Just... Listen, uh, you may have won my list, Spider-Man, but. You did not win Kenny's, and if I had any notes, maybe instead of Tom Holland, get like an anaconda or like a rattlesnake or something, and maybe next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> well, that's the thing for every best kiss check-in now. Yeah, I don't know how it could have, you know. I, you know, it's it seems to be the way. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. But. Yeah. But yeah, so that brings us to the end of Best Kiss 2022. Nice, it's been a nice little check-in back to the world of kisses and romance. Um, but now we come to recommendation of the week. Awesome. So this week, this week uh, to keep kind of uh, at least a thin tether between our like the things we covered and the thing I'm recommending. Uh, I really like the Dominic Fike song "Phone Numbers." Uh, might not be for everybody, but I really like it. It's a really catchy song, and he was one of our nominees, so there you go. Yeah, um, ooh, trying to, uh, this week I am going to go with, um, I think it, it might still be in theaters by the time it's there, just because it is kind of like a spooky film, and though this episode I'm sure will be dropping at some point in October, but Honestly, if it's on demand, still watch it. Like, I'm going to hope it... There's a chance it'll have gathered so much word-of-mouth fuzz by this point that it's going to seem cliche for me recommending this, but 
There is a film called Barbarian. Um, it is it is it is a horror movie. Uh, it is directed by someone I was un unfamiliar with, but he yeah, but he is part I guess of yeah he is part of this comedic or this comedic group the whitest kids you know uh his his name's like zach Kreger or something like that but this film barbarian it is it is one of those movies where the best way to enjoy it is to go in knowing as little as possible like basically it is about this this woman who like goes to detroit and goes to stay at an airbnb and finds out it has mistakenly been double double booked, and now she has to like share it with Bill Skarsgård, who of course played Pennywise in It and It Chapter Two, and was the voice of Crow in Eternals. And so, like, she goes to say it, and that's all I'm going to say. But it the movie takes a lot of turns. It is like very fun. It's genuinely. As I have said before on this podcast, I don't scare easily because I'm very familiar with horror film rhythms, and this movie, it takes a very long time to get a hold on what its rhythms are, so it actually was very effective at unnerving me for parts of it, but yeah, watch Barbarian. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a strong recommendation yeah. there. And what are we... Yeah. Oh, do we do plugs yeah. first, or what are we looking at next week? It's been too long. Yeah, no, we Yeah, no, we we, we do plugs. We do uh, plugs. Um, so. um you can find my Twitter. Uh it's uh at GACK G-H-A-K, G-H-A-K. And in the bio of that Twitter you can find my link tree that has everything else that you could ever want. Yeah. And what about you? Yeah. You can find me on yeah, Twitter at like a Wolverine. You can find me on Letterbox. Also, I'm like a Wolverine. Um, and then, yeah, you can find you can find this like podcast on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod. Are eventually I'll start updating it. I say this every week. Instagram is at Pass the Golden Popcorn. You can email us at Pass the Golden Popcorn at gmail .com if you disagree with our takes. Um, yeah. yeah. Then other than other than that, our yeah, our theme song is. Wait, now I am thinking about this because I'm like, yeah, I. I guess I do go through all the things before I talk about what's coming yeah. up next. Oh, well, it's kind of funny we do it, but I'll do it that way. But oh yeah, because it just kind of feeds naturally in from plugs. So our theme song is by Matt Samard. Um. Ben, do we still have like the original kissing one? We should probably yep, be using I still that have this those, week. That somewhere, I'll make yeah. sure. To... And if and and we'll also try and use our original kissing artwork, yeah. which was done by Ben. <laughs> yeah, just so you you know which one it is. Um, then yeah, so themes on my Matt. Yeah, art by Ben. We are hosted on Friendly Mush. Uh, there's cool podcasts on there. Just if you like this podcast, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, and. Yeah, all that's left to do is talk about what's coming up next. So next week, we are going back to Best Villain for Best Villain 2007. And the nominees for that one are... 
Tobin Bell, Saw 3, uh, Bill Nye, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, Rodrigo Santoro, 300, Meryl Streep, The Devil Wears Prada, and the winner, Jack Nicholson in The Departed. Oh, that's a fun one. I, <laughs> I remember The Departed one, but I, I forgot what else was in here. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's going to be a fun episode. We are, if everything has gone to plan, because we've rescheduled this so many times, but we'll have a first-time guest who's never been on. It'll be fun. And... Yeah, yeah. is that... um. Is that the second or third Pirates of the Caribbean movie? It is the second Pirates perfect. of the Caribbean. Okay. The third one did not get nominated, but yes, it is right, the second one. I don't need one. to watch um, the middle one. That always happens. We, we get a surprising amount of ones and then threes. <laughs> I guess with Harry Potter, yeah. This is two. This is two. <laughs> watch, yeah, watch the second one. <laughs> I mean, the third one, I'd argue, is the best one, but, like, yeah, watch the second one. Um... Yeah, it's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And, you know, just remember um, the snake kiss was performed by a professional. Do not try it at home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I should have made that more a podcasting joke about how we're professionals and not trying this at home. But it's really easy to start a podcast yeah exactly starting a podcast is done by schmucks all the time do it at home right now instead of kissing that snake you were going to then take a two-month hiatus <laughs> and then try and like get back into a regular recording schedule it's, so <laughs> it's easy. the easiest thing in the world <laughs> uh, goodbye, goodbye everybody <laughs> It was weird. I guess I am the kissing expert. I don't know if I wanted to mention it, but like I had like a one lovely evening with a girl yesterday and she did bite my lip when she kissed me, just like the snake.